am I ready? Live from the basement of Voodoo Sound, it's time to get your mojo working. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Take the next 40 odd minutes to get your hands on some tips and tools that will get you working at your best in both your business and your personal life. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Mojo Radio Show. Hard to believe we're already at the end of February. The year is slipping by. So if you're new to the show, uh, welcome. It's a show about getting your mojo working and whether you're at work, at home, at play, uh, at the office, at school, or on the sports ground. In fact, it's you know anywhere you are. If you need to get your mojo working, or you want to keep your mojo working, then this is the place because we talk to experts in the field of all sorts of things like leadership, uh, being an entrepreneur, fitness, innovation, strategy, creativity, the whole shebang. And we look to talk to people who can help us to give us useful tips and tools to apply to our own world. And if you're new to the show, thank you for hitting the download button. If you're a regular Mojo-ite, thank you for hitting the subscription button. If you haven't, hit the button and subscribe and we'll deliver the Mojo radio show to your doorstep every Monday. And just an aside, guys, just... um, Somebody during the week sent me a note, which I thought was quite nice, suggesting if, if you know somebody who's lost that spark and they've lost a bit of direction in a bit of a funk and maybe they've lost their mojo, then put them on to us and get them to hit the download button because we, we really want to help and we want to get people back on track, get their mojo working and just help them feel good about their life and you know get things happening. So if you haven't subscribed yet, head to iTunes, hit the button and we'll, uh, we'll be all over it. Um, but let's get into this week's show. Uh, in the studio, the man who runs the whole panel, he's the prince of the panel, Robbo. How are you doing this week, mate? I'm very, doing very well. Um, we're really nice guys, aren't we? Doing that for people? Well, I think so. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> how are you going this week? It comes from the heart. It does come it from, the, from heart. the heart. How's your week been? My well, week's been fine. How about you? Yeah, pretty busy this week. Locked away in um, dark studios doing some work for... Um, for one of the big telcos this week. So, yeah. Nice. Lots of time in like dark it. rooms. That's right. Interesting. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of dark rooms, as a segue, I um, was on the phone yesterday with mm. the beautiful Anna Devane of the Sleep oh, News. What a lovely talking lady. A, yeah. And she was, um, Anna was our special guest on episode six, which mm. going back through the archives was one of our most popular shows mm-hmm. of all time. Um, Sleep is pretty about, popular. Lots of people yeah, do it. Yeah, about getting a... Well, in fact, it's interesting how, many, how fewer people get it, get yeah, a good night's right. sleep. So yeah. um, anyway, the reason Anna called is because she'd love to come back on the show again to talk mm. some more and bring some new insights into sleep. So I thought that was pretty cool. Great. Absolutely. Mm. When are we doing that? Mm. Tomorrow? Mm. Soon. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of sleep and well, I suppose it's the opposite of nighttime, daylight, mm-hmm. Um there's, there's a, a bit of a breakthrough on the scientific side of things, something that might help me in dim, dark studios speaking of. Robbo's 20 cents worth. A company has come up with a light that looks like a, a sunlight and it's, it, it's actually so real that it can trick your brain into believing that it actually is in, outside in daylight or inside in daylight, getting some daylight through a window. How clever is that? Is it like a lamp? It's not like a lamp. If if you look at the pictures on their website, it looks like a it looks like a, a, a skylight that you would have in your roof, right? And mm. they they coated it. Um, they've used these LED lights and co- with a thin coating of what they call nanoparticles. Um, and to quote the website, it says it recreates an effect that makes the sky blue, known as Rayleigh scattering. Um, so the sunlight doesn't just light up a room. It also produces a texture and feel of sunlight. In fact, it's so good, and this is quoting the website, it really tricks the brain into thinking you're outdoors, even if you're kilometres underground. Hmm. So, um, so that's pretty clever, I thought. It's really interesting. You know, that's that's going to find, if this is real, mm. and it does have the effect psychologically and physiologically, I guess, mm. then... This is going to open up a lot of doors and opportunities for creativity, you know, because if you are sitting in a room with no natural light Mm. versus sitting in a room with a view or natural light, um, the creativity from a session you get is chalk and cheese. Right. And if this works from a health perspective, because we are generally very under 
on the amount of vitamin D we should be partaking of. So I just think creativity-wise and vibe-wise and happiness-wise, that pretty cool concept you found, mate. It's clever, isn't it? Very mm. clever. I um, mm. they they and and the interesting thing when you're talking about with creativity is they talk about the possibility now instead of building skyscrapers of building ground scrapers hmm. instead of building up building down wouldn't that be good for the landscape that opens up a whole bunch of new possibilities doesn't it mm. we should uh, we should drill down on that more <laughs> there may be there may be uh, someone worth having a chat to in there somewhere along the way yeah absolutely we should find out a bit more about it yeah let's put the link to this show because um. I'm sure people want to investigate some more and just see what this is about. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, great idea. Well, should we um, rock and roll with this week's show? We should rock and roll with this week's show. Let's go. The Mojo Radio Show. This week's guest is very timely because you would have all seen in the news this week the raspberry and mixed fruit berry scandal where Nana's... You have to say one of our trusted brands um, has really been taken to task and uh, although they claim the jury is still out from a media and punter perspective, they put many people in hospital with this hepatitis A disease. So our guest this week is a guy called Paul Schickluna, who's a number one international best-selling author. He's a health coach, uh, he's a speaker and what's cool about this guy is he had his own issues with chronic asthma as a kid growing up and eventually he went you know what enough's enough and took his health into his own hands and he's now been sort of studying this fact and trying to get down to the 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 real basis behind true health true nutrition and most important the thing that we're going to get into is what labeling is doing to us and what we can do about it so i think it's a very timely show so, Paul Schickluna, mate, uh, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Thanks very much for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Paul is our first Thai guest. Would that be right, uh, Robbo? Uh, yeah. We haven't had any guests wearing a tie as yet, <laughs> either. Yeah. It's not a highbrow show. It's <laughs> not really. Not, not that a professional outfit here at the Mojo Radio Show. But um, we should make this clear. You're an Aussie. And you went over there for a holiday and decided to stay, is that right? Yes, that's right. Uh, I, I pretty much run, run, well, I guess the majority of my business online, so it, it gives me the freedom to be able to travel and, and if I like a place, I can stay a bit longer. So, yeah, stay, staying a bit longer over here for the time being. Beautiful part of the world. It is a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, let's start with that, mate. What, um, just tell us, what sort of work are you doing today and who are you normally doing it with online? I guess um, at the moment I currently coach... Uh, a number of people and it's usually around health and well-being. Some it could be to lose weight, others it might actually be a health-related issue. Uh, so I generally address that um, with exercise, diet and, and and the like. So a lot of it's actually online. So I do a lot of Skype stuff and via yeah. email. And um, also I do have some personal clients. Uh, I, I guess I've got some wealthy clients who, who like to uh, fly me into certain places so uh, where we can get a bit more hands-on. But generally it's mostly based uh, online. Huh. And what, Paul, in your work with your clients, what's the most common type of health issues that you're seeing and having to deal with lately? Look, I guess it's 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 a bit of a range. Um, it's it's a lot of it is weight loss and lethargy, feeling, you know, exhausted, tired, run down, that sort of thing, uh, which generally attributes to weight gain. So th- yeah. th- those two generally go hand in hand. And other, uh, yeah. another one is generally people with, um, uh, you know, I guess medical type conditions where they've been on the medical treadmill for a long period of tra- time, nothing much has changed and they're very frustrated. They usually come to me through word of mouth, through other clients that I've dealt with and that yeah. sort of thing. And um yeah, and I, was, I sort of work with them to get them back to, uh, you know, uh, I guess a balanced state of health and well-being. How would you? Um, it's an interesting thing with that, Paul. How would? What's your definition of health? So somebody comes to you and says, "Look, I want to get healthy." In your mind, how how do you define health? Well, so I usually address it. I ask them, okay, more to the point is what do you want? You you say you want to be healthy. So exactly like you just said, break it down because everyone's different. And this is the thing with the whole, I guess, medical and health umbrella and and, and even fitness umbrella. We're all pigeonholed. Just because we have two arms, two legs, a torso and a head instead of we all look the same, physiologically, we're actually quite different. You can have, say, a paracetamol tablet for, um, uh, say, a headache, 
and, and you know, they, what do they say? They say, have no more than two every four hours. Now, you could be ba banging down four every two hours, which is, which is actually an overdose, but your physiology can actually handle that, possibly. But whereas the next person might have one tablet, and actually have liver failure and have to go to hospital. Yeah, yeah. So I sort of try and find out all that first, try and find out what medication they're on. I always get them to, to uh, do at least a week, if not two weeks, a food diary. I want to know everything that's going into their body. So I can then start making adjustments or observing where things may be um, upsetting the apple cart, so to speak. Now, I've heard that talked about before. Just what instructions would you give to somebody to do a proper, like a real food diary, and what are you looking to gain from that? Uh, look, I guess in uh, I'm actually um, a qualified personal trainer, and in and in 15 years of personal training, I've never had one person say to me, "Paul, my diet's crap. I need help seriously." Everyone always says, "Oh no, no, I eat pretty good. You know, mm, I've got a pretty good mm. diet." So, going from that. I always say to them, I, I, I give them um, a sheet to fill out. It usually is everything. So I want to know what liquids you're putting in, roughly how much liquids you're putting in, whether that be coffee, tea, you know, soft drink, alcohol, whatever it is, I, you know, I need you to write it down. And I want to see everything that's eaten, whether you eat two times a day, eight times a day, how frequently your meals. So I've already got all that planned out on the sheet. They've just got to populate it. Yeah. And then they'll email it to me and then I can actually see what's going on. It could be um, simple things such as... Um, it could be someone could be having too much soft drink. It could be uh, someone having way too much uh, caffeine, whether that be, I mean, you'd be surprised how many people don't realise that, that um, tea, even herbal tea, uh, you know, have got quite a lot of caffeine. I don't tell people not to have those things, but 10 cups a day will be stimulating your body because caffeine's roughly got a half-life of around 10 hours. So every cup, every cup that you're having, that's going to stay in your, in your body for a half-life of roughly 10 hours. So people mm. who are saying, I can't get to sleep at night, all right, what's causing that? It could be stress, it, which, which is generally because of their things on their mind. So they're, they're always, you know, um, worrying about those things. It could be, you know, they're eating the wrong foods late at night, which is actually instead of their body going into a, a, a state of healing and repair, it's processing heavy foods at night, or it could be caffeines and, and that type of thing, or even alcohol, which is keeping them up at night. So I guess I like to try and find out everything that someone's doing in their life and then I work back from there. I guess it's like goal setting. You know, yeah. you, you want this goal, all right, that's the, that's the goal, that's the end result. Let's start working backwards now to get the plan together. So would your recommendation be that someone carry a piece of paper in their back pocket and every time they have their mouth up, put something in it, they write it down? Because I could imagine a lot of people, if they, have, if they do it at the end of the day, would forget a lot of the stuff that they had. You hit the nail on the head. I tell you what, I don't know how many people who, I, I always say I want the food diary, but I get them to go over it at the end of the week or the fortnight. Um, I had one lady, this is years ago, and she said, oh, look, I hardly ever eat pasta. It was probably once absolute max twice a week. When she did the food diary, she was actually having it four to six times a week. And she said, I actually never realized. She said, I'm a busy mum. She, she worked. She had three kids. Um, so her life was so busy. Mm. You know, look, just like you said, everyone forgets. We, we you know, I mean, people mm. don't even remember what they spend their money on, let alone what they put in their mouth. So she said that was a real eye opener for her. She said that's the first time in her life that, she, that she's actually done a food diary. And she said that was the biggest wake up call because she said, I couldn't even remember what I had. She said, I told you honestly that I actually only thought that it was one to two times a week. Yeah. And her, her issue was weight gain. And when you talk to people, Paul, you quite often people say, oh, my, 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 my diet's pretty good. It's the pretty part that's a bit of a mess, isn't it? And it's not until you write it down or look at it that you actually see that it may be not as good as you think it is in your own mind. That's exactly right. And, and, and it's a lot mm. of what we're taught as well. What we're taught is good. A lot of the time isn't that great. It's just vested interests. They've got a lot of money. They campaign the political parties. They're allowed to get their, their, uh, you know, their foods through with, with, you know, where there's plenty of legal loopholes in our labelling laws. In, especially in Australia, I mean, also in the United States, it's a bit better in Europe. But um, and this is the thing: so we're educated. Oh no, that's pretty good for you. But when you yeah. actually, you know, get down to the coal face and actually do the research and look at the research that's been done, the good research, um, you know, you sort of find you, you go, actually, that's not too good. That could be really harming me. It's like those um, those muesli bars for kids. I um, I my my kids love the uh, you know insert brand name here muesli bar and as a parent you think oh yeah it's a muesli bar that's not too bad 
but I actually picked a packet up the other day as I was um, as I was shopping, and and before I threw it in the trolley, I thought I'm just going to have a look. And you look at the amount of salt and the amount of sugar and all the rest that are in those things, and you put it back on the shelf. That's exactly right. And the thing is, they deliberately put a lot of stuff now in um, numbers because you don't know what the number is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a lot of artificial sweetener. You won't actually see artificial sweetener anymore. You'll see uh, E9... E, um, uh, 995 or 950 or look, there's a whole range of them mm. but it's like well, that's one of their ways of getting around it because if you don't know what it is you chuck it in your you know your, mm. your uh, trolley mm. thinking oh it can't be that bad I mean mm. it's actually getting a lot worse there's there's well over a thousand additives and flavours now that go into foods and, it's, and they're, they're producing more all the time so the nutritional panel on the side not so much to the ingredients list is that worth looking at can they cheat on that at all you know, where yeah, the, the it, institutional information, what are the ways that they cheat on those things? Exactly? Well, like, let's look at the term natural. Now, how many mm. products, including supplements, have got the term natural on it? Mm. Do you realise that, like, like, for example, vitamin E, they say, you know, oh, natural vitamin E. Well, they only actually, they actually only have to put 5% natural in and 95 can be synthetic and they've just passed the natural laws. Wow. Right. Isn't that ridiculous? That's crazy. So that's not fair because <laughs> it, it, it is. But one thing I've said to all of my clients is the best thing you can do is the bigger the ingredients list, the further you should keep it away from your body. An yep. apple with over 8,000 nutritional components, most of them that we don't even know, you know what they do in the human body, mm. doesn't have an ingredients list, but yet we know yes. it's good for us. Yeah. So, so, so the bigger the ingredients list, keep it away from the family. The smaller the ingredients list, generally better. Great info. Yeah. There you go. Tip number one. <laughs> I uh, was shopping with a mate last week and he was buying coconut cream and he picked up a can of a particular brand and I said, why would you use that brand and not this one? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, turn the tin over. And this guy's a young guy, 26 years old, cut to shreds, treats his body really, really well. When we turned it over, the can had 40% coconut in it. The rest was emulsifiers and thickness. Wow. Mate, he was shocked. He ab- I swear he almost threw the can down the corridor of the supermarket. <laughs> he was absolutely distraught. And for hours afterwards, he walked around kicking the ground going, how could they possibly get away with this? Mm. That's exactly right. And that's what's disgusting about it. I just want to, um, you, uh, you touched on a great point there of canned food. Let's look at cans as well as plastics. A lot of people, when they they're looking at diet and weight gain, they just look at foods and drinks. All canned food, pretty much all canned food, because so the can doesn't rust, what they do is they line the can with um, a filament or a resin. It was uh, started off being produced in the 1960s. It's actually called bisphenol A or BPA. You might have heard a bit about it these yep. days. You know, we're sort of seeing plastic bottles which are you know um, low BPA or no BPA. Yep. Well, well, all canned food, pretty much, so the can doesn't rust, is lined with that BPA lining. So what happens is that actually leaches into the food. You consume the food and that actually causes a whole range of health uh, issues in the body. And what, what the Vani just discovered now is when BPA is metabolised by the body, it's converted into what's known as MBA. That's a thousand times more, to, or anywhere from a hundred to a thousand times more toxic to the body than BPA. So they're only just starting to look at this now and they're saying that's probably why the science has been a bit touch and go because we haven't looked into it further and, and how the, what happens when the body metabolises it. So that's another thing that people need to look at. You know, I always say, if you're going to get, say, chickpeas, a can of chickpeas, get a bag and soak, soak them overnight. It's easy. You just put a cupful in a bowl of water and go to sleep. Get mm. up the next morning. All you've got to do is boil them for 20 minutes instead of the can. At least yep. you know you're actually getting chickpeas and not a whole range of other toxins. Paul, what are some of the myths that you mentioned before um, how we're being led to believe certain things about certain foods? In your experience with the people you're working with and the research or study that you've seen or done, what, what are some of the greatest myths that we have been led to believe that aren't good for us? Well, I, I think it's unfortunate for, I, I guess, people in the health industry, you know, the ones who have studied sort of nutrition and dietitian, you know, dietitians and, and stuff like that, because a lot of the curriculum, if you go back, it was sort of based around the uh, food pyramid. Now, the food pyramid has got its origins, you know, pretty much dates back to the 1800s. And uh, let me tell you, it, it, it wasn't good because it, it was a doctor by the name of uh, Dr. Atwater, uh, he first did a report for the USDA in the United States, which is the US Department of, of uh, a- uh, Agriculture. And he said to them, what we need to do is obviously have more fruits, vegetables, grain seeds, nuts, and lean proteins. And he said, uh, try to avoid fat, sugars, and processed carbs. 
Well, he gave his report to the USDA. They published their report. Um, it was basically one of the first food guys in 1917, and they completely ignored his advice to limit fats, uh, sugars, and uh, processed carbohydrates. Why? That was a concession to the um, certain um, uh, food industries. Now, if you look 75 to 80, 80 years later, it, it was still happening. Um, mm. When the Food Guide Pyramid was published in 1992, a woman by the name of Louise Light, her and her team, they were high-level nutritionists in the United States. They took all the factors in. What her and her team submitted to the USDA was a completely different pyramid that came out. She was absolutely shocked and dumbfounded. You know how the base of the, the food pyramid was six to 11 servings of, you know, grains and, you know, which is cereals and all that sort of thing. Uh, they actually had that halfway up the pyramid, which was only two to three servings of those. And the base of the food pyramid was fruits and vegetables. Mm. And the issue is, is the food pyramid actually went through into the education system. Doctors were educated on it, nutritionists, dietitians, and everyone thought that that was the proper way of eating. So we were led down the garden path. She actually um, forecast, she said, if you actually publish this, within 20 to 30 years, we'll have an unprecedented rise of um, uh, diabetes, heart disease, and a whole range of um, uh, diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, that sort of thing. And she was absolutely spot on. Look where we are now. We're more diseased mm. than any other time in history, yet you know, we're more technologically advanced than any other time in history. It's ridiculous. So a lot of what we're being taught is actually incorrect. I mean, myths like, I mean, people are popping down pills left, right and centre. Supplements. You know, we're told that, I mean, some doctors will recommend having a supplement a day, you know, like a multivitamin. Well, a multivitamin's only got between two and 16 vitamins and minerals. Now, the majority, well, pretty much, the vitamins are all synthetic and the minerals are usually based around or made up from ground-up rocks or ground-up uh, uh, metals or, or um, rusted metals. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Who would have thought that your iron supplement would be containing rusted metal? <laughs> Well, that scares the hell out of me because I actually take one. <laughs> but it's ridiculous. See, what, what happens is if you look on the back of your uh, supplements, if it says um, FE, that's the chemical mm, symbol for ferrous. ferrous, it might say ferrous metal or it might say like a, a zinc oxide or an iron oxide. Anything that's oxidised is rusted. You talk to anyone in the metal industry mm. and they, they know straight away that any rust is known as an oxide. Mm. So they actually take that metal oxide, they grind it up into a micro powder and add it to your supplements. That could be in the form of zinc, magnesium, manganese, iron, you know, and the list goes on. Mm. But the thing is, those, those um, elemental minerals are only around 8 to 12% absorbable by the human body. Mm. And the issue is, is they get caught up in brain tissue, muscle tissue, and that sort of thing, and the body finds it very hard to get rid of. So you can actually go and have plenty of plant foods or, or a piece of meat, a lean piece of meat or something like that, and get plenty of iron. You don't need to supplement. Mm. I mean, you think about it. You, an orange has over 4,000 nutritional components. Well, we can reel off about five that we roughly know what they do in the human body. Mm. So let, let's rewind a second there, Paul. So if the food pyramid is a myth that is leading us down the garden path and not the right garden, and supplements are not as they think, as they seem, because we know that having good health is a, is a precursor to having your mojo working. If the myths that you're talking about were around supplements and the food pyramid, what would be the recommendations then that somebody could stand up from the podcast right now and make a change? What, what do they do to counterbalance what you've just said? One, um, make your own multivitamin. And by that, I don't mean make your own pills or powders or lotions or potions. It can be as simple as making a smoothie in the morning. Um, so you could chuck some spinach in, an apple in, a banana in, and, and that sort of thing. The good thing about a smoothies is you don't take the, the fibre out of them. So um, it's processed slowly by the body. You get plenty of, I mean, the amount of nutrients in, in plant foods is unbelievable. They say that there's, there's around uh, 25,000 nutritional components out there, you know, Roughly, in, you know, um, under the whole umbrella of phytonutrients, and and look, we've only we've only sort of uh, discovered roughly 120 to 140 nutritional components that, that we roughly know what they do in the body. And simply by having a smoothie once a day, it's not much. I mean, it's you know, 400 mil, four to 500 milligrams, um, you know, of, of of smoothies easy to drink. I mean, people are drinking things during the day. Make it a smoothie. You're doing your, and trust me, after about two weeks, you you will realise um, how much better your body's feeling. So the message would be: replace a supplement with a smoothie that contains 
uh, fruit and or veggies. Give me, give me your number one smoothie recipe that you love that you think would cover off instead of a multivitamin. Okay, well, you can actually get this off my website. Uh, I've actually got a free free juices and smoothies book on there that people can download. And my number one is, uh, I call it my green power smoothie. It's got a pile of spinach in it. I usually have, I usually put in a whole head. Now, it can be a bit uh, potent on the taste, so then you've got to add some fruit. I usually add one, one to one and a half bananas and a whole apple and at least a few cups of water. And sometimes I'll even throw in some cinnamon and uh, some nutmeg and stuff like that. Because some of those spices, I mean, especially cinnamon, cinnamon. Brilliant for sort of balancing your blood sugar levels and that sort of thing. It's a really good um, spice to add. It's flavoursome and that sort of thing. So, so as you can see, I haven't added any milk. It's just fruit and veg and water. And when you blend that up, the fruit actually takes that, that bitterness to, um, out of the, out of the uh, spinach. So you won't even taste the spinach. It looks, it's just, it's just like a dark green smoothie, but it tastes fantastic and it is so good for you. I was actually reading the other day about turmeric. Have you heard of, of that, about the health benefits of turmeric? Oh, it's, um, I, I, I literally eat turmeric every day. I, over here, I can get um, proper turmeric root, but even the powdered stuff, I mean, adding, look, you can even add like a, a quarter of a teaspoon of turmeric to your smoothies, to your juices, you know, whack it in your cooking. It's so unbelievably good for you. It's, a re- it's, it's great for inflammation in the body as well. So people suffering joint pains, arthritis, plenty of turmeric actually helps relieve that inflammation. Well, that's how I came across it. I actually have Crohn's disease and that's how I came across oh, it. Oh, really? But I was, reading, I was reading some of the other stuff, like they're talking about it, it's, it's, it's possible, they haven't proven it yet, but that it might actually um, combat uh, um, Alzheimer's disease and all sorts of things like that. It's got all sorts of amazing um, side effects, I guess. See, see, this is the thing, and we're still learning. I mean, when you look at nutritional chemistry, what, we discovered vitamin C, for example, in the 1920s. We're still, we're still learning new things that vitamin C is good for in the body to this day. Mm. So when you have, you know, people say, oh, don't have that, just have a multivitamin. You know, 70% of the, of the bulk ingredients in supplements comes from China, and they've been... Um, you know, they've been busted several times for having contaminated mm. products, shipping contaminated yep. products. Mm. But I was actually going to say is all of these things, especially the spices, we're finding out more and more mm. that they, they t- contain things that we don't even know what they are, mm. but yet it's having a brilliant effect on the body. Yeah. Don't wait, don't wait for science, you know. Have this stuff. Don't wait for science to catch up. Go to curry. Start including... Yeah, yeah go to curry. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, just talk, talk us through. We've got a... Say you've got a, uh, somebody, a listener listening to us right now and they are in the corporate world of some description, SME or a big organisation. Um, the smoothie thing's great, got the smoothie thing. Talk us through a day in your life from breakfast right through the time you go to bed to give people an idea of how to eat and, and specific things that you would have had yesterday or today in your or on a daily basis to help get your mojo going. Generally, when I get up first thing in the morning, and, and I know this is a hard thing for many people, especially people who don't drink a lot of water, hydration is critical. Every organ in the body has to be hydrated. It needs water to function function properly anyway. Uh, I think it was the World Health Organization many years ago uh, stated that around 90% 90 of the Western world could be classed as drastically dehydrated. So first thing I do is I've actually got um, a a litre bottle of water. I squeeze um, one lemon and I add it to that water. And that's the first thing I do. I take my time. I drink that bottle of water before I eat any food. And I always go for a walk as well. Then I might come back. Now I can either have... I might go for either a smoothie or a juice. If I'm really hungry, I'll go for, say, some scrambled eggs. And I always include vegetables with my food. And a lot of people say, oh, what vegetables for breakfast? It's no different if you go out and you get like a, a big brekkie. You know, your eggs come out with spinach, tomato and some mushrooms. I always do that. And I know if people are in a rush, then chop it all up the night before, whack it in one of those, you know, snap sealing bags, whack it in the freezer. Then all you've got to do is chuck it in the pot with your, with your, with your eggs and I'll just scramble it all, it, it all up in one thing. So it's really quick. It literally takes 10 minutes in the morning. Morning tea, I might have a piece of fruit um, and a handful of nuts. Lunch is generally either a salad or salad roll or something like that. I never have margarine if I'm if you want that sort of spread. Add some avocado instead, and I'll just have you know like lettuce material that sort of thing. You know, um, afternoon tea it could be a piece of fruit or a smoothie depending. If I'm doing a workout, then I might have a bit more. 
um, so, you know, sort of 45 minutes into the workout. And then after the workout, I, I always have my green power smoothie without fail. Uh, and then dinner could be anything from, I guess, a, a, uh, a lean curry to salad to vegetables to – I'm a big fan of sort of Asian cooking, so it could be like a um, wok toss veggies or, you know, an Asian meal like a luxa or something like that. But I try and eat, if I can, lighter at night. And the reason for that is because – as we wind down, we're meant to have lighter meals, not heavy meals. Your body at night when you go to sleep is actually meant to be going into a state of healing and repair. What happens when you eat heavy meals at night? Your body's processing food for most of the night. And I've, I've said this so many times to people, this is just such a simple trick for those people who always wake up in the morning just tired and lethargic, start having more liquid meals. See. If you look back at the etymology of the word dinner, dinner actually referred to the apex of the sun. So dinner was actually what we call lunch. What we call dinner these days was known as supper, which meant liquid meal. It was a sop or a sup or a soup. So having liquid meals or light meals like salads and stuff like that allows it to be processed fairly smoothly for the body. It doesn't take a lot of effort as opposed to a huge T-bone steak with a side order of mashed potatoes or something like that. You, you mentioned you have a sandwich or a bread while for lunch. So you, you do uh, allow yourself some breads and rolls and that sort of stuff? Oh, look, definitely. I mean, the, the human body is unbelievable. It can get over just about anything. I mean, people have been, you know, caught nuclear fallout and they've lasted for many years. We, we sort of sometimes treat the human body like it should be wrapped up in cotton. You've still got to have fun. You've still got to live. Now, I'm not saying that you should be eating bread all through the day, but the occasional piece of bread, especially if it's a good bread, a lot of the processed breads these days have got a lot of, um, you know, preservatives and, and added, added uh, vitamins and minerals, which are generally chemicals, uh, added to them. So I'll always try and go for, and, and look, I probably only eat it once once a week, maybe twice. Generally, yep. you know, for, for lunch, I'd probably more have a salad or, or a cooked meal, like some, some sort of wok tops veggies or something like that. Um, but if you're going to have bread, I mean, don't have lots of bread, if, if that makes sense. Or if you can, get good bread. I mean, there's plenty of them out there. There's some, especially in Australia, in Melbourne and Sydney, there's some really good artisan bakers coming out, or not yeah. coming out, they've been out for years, and they're producing some really good products. They let the bread rise overnight like it used to always be, instead of this adding agents so it rises in an hour, which generally, you know, um, affects people's bodies. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I definitely do. I, um, I de- look, I, I watch what I eat but I still have a bit of fun. It's kind of the trick, isn't it? You've got to let yourself have some time off every now and then, otherwise it just becomes a drudge. That's exactly right. And especially people like who are wanting to lose weight, I will always say to them, have one day off a week. Mm. Don't go overboard. Don't go and eat the whole cheesecake, if that's your <laughs> favourite thing. Have, a, have a, a small piece of cheesecake and yeah. enjoy yourself. Have a glass of wine if that's your thing, but, but have some time off. If, if you just... I actually bumped into um, Israel Falau, a couple of weeks ago and, and we were funnily enough we're talking about food and even an athlete of, at his level was saying that Friday night is his night off interestingly if he, especially if he has a game on Saturday he'll load up on carbs like he'll, he'll load up on some pasta or something like that yep. that's his treat yeah exactly and I, I say to people it doesn't have to be Sunday if Wednesday's your night then Wednesday's your day off mm. and so be it but the other six days just try and smarten it up a bit and uh, eat a lot better yeah let's just talk about Mr. Universe um, Paul because um, I know you work with this guy who won Mr. Universe but the story I heard was he actually had a damaged shoulder which could have become an issue for him and may have required surgery however through nutrition you seem to get him back on track again and he went on to win Mr. Universe what sorts of nutrition do you suggest for somebody who is struggling with, you know, muscle issues or bone issues or, I mean, is there a, is there a particular philosophy you have for people who have injuries where diet can have an effect? Yeah, look, definitely. I, I always evaluate each individual because everyone's different. Um, but what I did with, with Rob, he, look, he couldn't even raise his arm up past 45 degrees. He was in excruciating pain. He had um, full-length tear in his supraspinatus, which is over the back of the shoulder. Um, and he was told if he didn't get surgery, he'd never lift again. You know, kiss, kiss, kiss your competitions goodbye and that sort of thing. Uh, what I did with him is I've, he was on a lot of supplements, which is, which is what they generally all are, lots of protein powders. I mean, the protein powders are a classic because uh, I think just a couple of years ago, they evaluated the top 15 protein powders and all of them had, uh, were shown to have arsenic, cadmium, lead and mercury. <laughs> They're all toxic, oh, highly nice. toxic Good. to the human body. It's great, isn't it? I mean, you know, they don't list that on the ingredients <laughs> list, do they? What for? 
What do they do? Oh, look, I think those were just in trace amounts. They've just come into the product along the production line, right, somewhere okay. along the production right. line. I don't know how. I mean, I don't know how mercury gets into that sort of stuff or maybe yeah. it's how it's being processed or grown or, or what have you. But um, so many of them contain so many toxins, it's not funny. Wow. Uh, but anyway, with him... I got him off all that garbage. I cleaned up his diet. Um, so what, one thing I actually got him doing is I said, you need to heal. So the body, I don't know if you've ever heard of fasting. Yep. So with him, I said, the fastest way we're going to get an immediate change is to fast. And he said, I've got to keep my muscle. I said, don't worry about that because fasting has been shown to dramatically um, boost the body's production of human growth hormone. So anyway, he fasted for five days uh, with um, amazing results. After that, I got him on a very clean diet of of basically whole foods. He had lots and lots of veggies going in. He was um, eating lean meat. So I think his main meat was chicken or tuna, but he was having lots of spinach with everything. And we were also doing a bit of rehab work with him. And literally, it was about four to four and a half weeks, I think it was. And I had him lifting heavier weights over over his head that he'd he'd lifted in his life. And he couldn't believe it. I mean, he actually ended up... He took out Mr. Southern Hemisphere, uh, Mr. International, and uh, then he took out Mr. Universe title um, later on that year. So three titles in the year that he was injured and told that he'd never lift weights again. Mate, we're going to take a quick break, let people put some notes down here. We've been talking about smoothies, we've talked about fasting, intake of water, liquid meals, which I love. So we're going to take a quick break here. We are talking with Paul Schickluna um, about wellness and health and how that really applies to your mojo. So we'll take a quick break, back in a second. Help us get the Mojo Radio Show on the iTunes What's Hot list. Hit up the Mojo Radio Show and leave a comment now. Oh, and please... You are such a disappointing pair. Be gentle with us. Now... We've just we're talking with Paul Schickluna all the way from Thailand on the Mojo Radio Show about how health and wellness and food and exercise all fits into our world to help us get our mojo working. Um, we just talked about a guy who was injured who Paul helped get to Mr. Universe. Um, it's fair to say there'd be a lot of corporate athletes who listen to the Mojo Radio Show, Paul. If they are setting up, the show goes out on a Monday morning, They've gotten up early, they've had us into the show, they are packing their bag for a week ahead. What would be the three things that you would not leave your home without in your bag for work that would help you ensure you were staying on the straight and narrow, even though the food in the canteen, at lunches, food in some of the stores around your place aren't that great? What would be your three must-haves that you would prepare yourself with taking your your bag for work? Well, I would say number one would be my water bottle. I've got a glass water bottle and I try and encourage everyone to have a bottle of water with them. Like if, if you've got a desk at the office, put a jug of water or a bottle of water on your desk and if you forget, everyone's got iPhones and these, you know, um, Androids and stuff like that. You can get applications on them, which um, you can actually set like a reminder, like a water reminder, and they'll, they'll sort of trickle in like running water. It's a reminder for you, for you to drink. Uh, for, for snack purposes, I'll always have a bag of nuts, mixed nuts, so almonds, walnuts, um, Brazil nuts, that sort of thing. Um, they're fantastic, full of nutrients, full of protein, good fats, and um, they're just and they're really filling and they're tasty. Um, Thirdly, what would I take thirdly? Well, if, if you said that things around the office might not be that good, then I would always pack a lunch. I'd always pack a lunch, at least a few pieces of fruit and a bag of nuts at a bare minimum. But if not, I would always pack a lunch then with, with at least two meals and two snacks. Because, you know, you, it's better to have smaller portion meals more frequently than these big big meals. Like, you know, the old, the old notion of three square meals a day just made the country round and it's only getting worse. So, you know, we need to actually have smaller portion meals um, more frequently. You actually, it actually keeps your, your metabolism elevated. It actually uh, helps stabilise your blood sugar levels. It's, it's, and it, and it, you don't get those big peaks and troughs of energy and then big slumps in the afternoon. Just hearing you say about three square meals a day, do you reckon maybe we haven't moved with the times more than anything else? Because if you go back 70 or 80 years when most jobs were labour intensive and there wasn't so many people sitting around behind a computer screen, maybe three meals were a day were a bit more important than now. So do you maybe reckon we just need to move more into modern times in terms of when we're thinking about how we eat and when we eat? Well, that's exactly it. Uh, I do think so. You know, I think you're spot on there. And also, if you go back sort of 70, 80 years ago, there was a lot less junk. So generally, yep. the meals were a lot better than they are today. Yeah. 
And um, yeah, look, I, I think it's critical that, that we sort of need to start moving forward. And you know, it's funny that you say uh, things were more labour intensive back then because they were. I was just reading a study recently where they said the bone density of the average modern day human is so much more reduced than what it was mm. compared to our ancient, you know, not only ancestors but even ancient ancestors. The va- yeah. They've evaluated around three skele- three thousand skeletal remains of people anywhere from 2,000 to 8,000 years old and they said they literally have the bones of super athletes. Even our super athletes these days don't have bone density as good as our ancient um, ancestors and wow. they, they basically attribute that to one diet and two, lack of movement because we're not doing enough. We're not moving enough. I think the other thing too is, is that you know, one of the myths is that we have to have three meals a day or there's a myth around you need to have six meals a day where people really should eat when they're hungry. Yeah, that's right. And I, I, I heard a great uh, saying from one of the biohackers that I was listening to on a podcast only, only last month and they said that if you can't go more than four hours without needing to eat, then your diet is too heavy in carbohydrates, which means that you are getting these insulin rushes, which forces you to have to eat more. Yeah, that's right. When in actual fact, if you're eating properly, you shouldn't have to eat all the time. And you see it you know, a lot when you're giving speeches and you get to lunchtime and it's time to break for lunch and people go and, and go to the trough and just you know, chow down when they're... It, it, it depends on how they set themselves up for the day, but because it's lunch, we have to eat as opposed to thinking, am I really hungry? Look, that's exactly right. And um, you're 100% spot on there. And people eat because, oh, the time says so. Yeah. I've actually done quite a lot of fasting uh, over the years. Short fast, like intermittent fasting, two and three days here and there, right through to uh, 30 days with no food. And I tell you what, it's always the first two to three days you get hunger pain from your stomach. After that, there's no hunger pains anymore. It's all mental. I, it, I tell you what, it, it's like it had come to six o'clock where I'd usually eat dinner and my mind would be going, oh, it's dinner time, but my stomach wasn't hungry. And that's the thing. A lot of the time is it's just we're used to it in our mind. So my goes, oh, midday, I've got to eat lunch. But do you need to eat lunch? You know, I mean, if you had a massive morning tea, why do you need to eat lunch an hour later? We had a guest on the first one for this year, Paul, a lady called Carolyn Adams-Miller who was... Um, she spoke to us on grit and she was brilliant and she said the body gives in when the brain tells it to. That's exactly right. And I think a lot of the time, you know, based on what you just said, is that the, my, my brain is telling me it's lunch so I have to eat as opposed to the body doesn't really need it. And looking at the majority of people in the corporate world, they could certainly do some fasting, uh, not see any detrimental effects, but in actual fact see a lot of uh, positive effects. So I think that's something for our listeners to really take away and consider. I would, I would caution, just think about fasting and just do, some, do your own research on fasting and different ways and means of doing it rather than just jumping in and harming yourself. So there, there's that part of it as well. But just something I want to touch on, you talked about having nuts, point two, and what would you have in your knapsack? And you said nuts, which I wholeheartedly agree with, and I never leave home without my nuts, so to speak. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the points you said that was so valuable about nuts was that they had healthy fats in them. What's your view on this myth that has gone through back from the, you know, go back to the USDA and the Ansel Keys and that whole backstory that, that accompanies this fats are the enemy and everything needs to go low fat. What's your view on fats and how does someone include the right fats in their diet? Oh, look, we have to have fat. It's as simple as that. Um, your brain is approximately 50 to 60% fat. We need fats to function. And this is the thing, this whole low-fat, no-fat thing or 98% fat-free, that is pretty much what helps stuff society up and uh, all this weight's been gained because if it's, it hasn't got fat in it, and I'm talking about good fats here, but w- when they even took the bad fats out of things, it was tasteless. It tasted like rubbish. So what did they do? They had to load it up with sugar. These days they load it up with artificial sugar, which, you know, artificial sweeteners, which are even worse. Um, So definitely I agree that bad fats should be mostly eliminated from the body, but good fats we have to have. I mean, extra virgin olive oil, avocados, certain types of fish. I mean, they they really supply the body with quality fats, you know, um, we have to have them. I mean, all these people just go obsessing with no fat. 
I think we do things and the media jumps onto it yeah. and blows yeah. it so far out of proportion. Everyone goes, you can't have fat. It's no different from sunshine. I mean, we're told that the sun's evil, it's going to kill everyone. But, you know, we, you know, they're saying that smart sun exposure is integral. The World Health Organization has said that vitamin D deficiency <laughs> is begun, you know, going from a pandemic to an epidemic yeah. because everyone's so petrified of the sun. It doesn't mean to go out and get burnt to a cinder. It means that you should be going out and getting at least 15 to 30 minutes a day you know, at a good time, not when you're going to get burnt. It's the same with, you know, fats. You do need fats in your diet. And the thing is, if you eliminate all fats from your diet, you'll gain more weight. Good, good fats have been shown to actually accelerate weight loss. I think the interesting thing here and probably the important point for people to note in general would be that all this stuff we've talked about is definitely going to give you some benefits, but you should also probably talk to your doctor about um, most of it before you actually go off and, and sort of you know, strike out on your own, do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested in Paul's perspective, but I would say not to talk to just your doctor because I think doctors carry a lot of these myths with them. I would say you That's want to exactly talk right. to a health or wellness or someone who is highly respected who, when you look at them, have got their own mojo working. Mm. Um, so I think, that, I think what you're saying is I think getting advice is a good thing, Robbo. Whether I would go to my GP or my you know, medical professional, I would caution. I'd be going to somebody who really understands sort of, you know, this, this in, a, in a deep way nutritionally. And mm. what do you think, Paul? Yeah, look, look, I completely agree. I've, we've actually got quite a number of uh, medical professionals, most of them are retired now, in our family. And I mentioned fasting, for example, to them, and they go, oh, my goodness, that's an absolute load of rubbish, blah, 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 It'll, you know, you'll die if you don't eat. Yet I've got another friend of mine who's, uh, I guess, a bit more of a forward-thinking doctor, and he, he says, oh, I think it's one of the best things you can do. He said, yeah. I've actually done the research. And, and you hit the nail on the head. People need to research and, and take the time to research. Don't just get on the first website, or, you know, off Google and, and, you know, have that as the be-all and end-all. I've been researching these, these topics for over 20 years and, uh, you know, there's so much garbage out there and it does take a bit of time to, you know, to sift through the garbage. But, yeah, do some research, speak to people, and that's exactly, you know, why I've written a number of books. It's because I, I want to help people. I can't help every single individual. And I thought, well, if I can do things like your podcast, for example, and write books so people can purchase them and, and take, take some responsibility for their own health, that's when we start seeing yeah. positive change in society and people's health. We need to start looking after ourselves instead of handing our health over to other people and not, and not worrying about it ourselves. That's, that's part of what the cause of all this is. You know, no one seems to be taking responsibility of looking after themselves. There's gold and then there are hills. That's nice, mate. That's a uh, that's a golden <laughs> takeout right there. <laughs> I, I hope that's hope that's not sort of too forceful because I'm not trying to be uh, like that with people. I'm just saying that people do nah, need to sort not. of stand up, you know, stand on their own two feet and go, you know, I'm actually going to look after my health from now on. Well, no one else is going to look after it, is it? That's the other thing. Well, no one has, <laughs> mate. Look at look at look at the shape of us now. I mean, for God's sake. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> everyone's got that's their exactly own right, you know? everyone's got their own agendas so paul you've got right. um you've got people to help get their mojo working um question before we go i i have just it's not just me noticing it but it's the fact that life's fast we're multitasking we want to give time to our families we want to give time to our businesses our work we might want to contribute to the community uh, we're doing all these things and I'm a cyclist and I have found that going out and spending two hours on the road or two and a half, three hours on the road, doing in a lot of cases rubbish miles with guys each week, I just don't have the time anymore. And speaking to a couple of guys on the phone last night, they're in the same boat. And I've been very interested in the process of getting maximum bang for my buck in a shorter amount of time. If you had 20 to 30 minutes, which we all have in our day, if you were going to get the maximum bang for your buck to get your mojo working in that time, what would you tell one of your clients to do? Definitely um, high-intensity interval training. Uh, short and sweet, no more than 20 minutes. Just, just do a quick warm-up. 
And anything from sprints, it could just be going down to the local park, park, sprinting for around 50 metres as hard as you can, walk back to that starting point and do that 12 times. It's unbelievable what that will do to the human body. Or it, it could be getting uh, some lessons on how to swing a kettlebell, same thing. It, it's it's um, very explosive type um, exercises. You actually get a lot more bang for your buck. And what happens is once you finish those exercises, uh, you know, as opposed to going to a jog for an hour, uh, your body actually continues to burn calories for hours and hours after. I mean, some studies have actually said with high interval um, training that your body can continue burning uh, calories at an elevated level for up to 14 hours post-workout, as opposed to if you just go and run 5Ks on a treadmill, um, it won't. You know, your body will continue burning calories for, uh, you know, at an elevated level for anywhere from half an hour to two hours. So you get a lot more bang for your buck doing sort of high intensity interval training and that sort of thing. And from a diet perspective, if you, if you want to just make some simple quick changes, have as many colours on your plate, at least over your daily plates, uh, as you can, because it's the colours in foods, like fruits and vegetables, that are the nutrition, you know, such as um, riboflavin means yellow in Latin, anthocyanin means purple blue in Latin. So it's the colours that are the nutrition. So if you have as many colours as you can on a daily basis, you're getting a broader spectrum of nutrition going into your body as opposed to just eating the same old stuff where you're getting the same nutrition, which could uh, lead to a, nu a nutritional deficiency down the track. So as many colours as you can. No, Robbo, M&M's is not going to count there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, but I also know, what a, I know, I also know what 20 under 12s are going to be doing at training on Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. Bit of interval training. No, I tell you, Paul's, Paul's bang on. There's a, there's a lot of research about this now and... Uh, um, I, and I'm sure, Paul, you're working with your clients on this, but I, I was working with a guy in Adelaide and he happens to work at um, one of Adelaide's best artisan bakers. And uh, he, over Christmas, started introducing this into his and it was just walking briskly and then a little run and he gently got into what he's doing, Paul, and he, uh, he has lost a massive amount of weight simply by doing this and now he's fun. He's taught his dogs how to do it. So... I think it's not just about the, the weight loss, although that's a big part of it. He's got, he said he's got more energy, he's got more mental clarity. He feels better about himself when he looks in the mirror um, and he thinks he's a better leader at work because of it. That's exactly right. And see, because the body gets used to not only exercise, but also what we eat. So, so doing things like interval training actually, um, it, it, well, it tricks the body, it keeps it guessing. Paul, what was that moment that finally had you change your life? And you had your own health challenges. What was that one moment that finally you said enough's enough and it, it caused you to pull back the cover, step out of bed and make some changes? It was probably when I was around 17 to 18 years uh, old because I, had, I was born a bad asthmatic and I'd been in and out of sort of hospital over the years and we had one of them big uh, machines where I had to put the face mask on my face every year. It was the same old thing, same medication from the doctor, same trips to the doctor every year. And I got to around 17 or 18 years of age, had an asthma attack, went back to the doctor and he said, you know, continue to do this. And, and I just said, you know, enough's enough. I said, I'm just on the treadmill, you know, the, uh, you know, the drug treadmill, basically. I was just, you know, taking these same things. And I thought, it's only going to change when I change. So I started doing research. I started reading books. I, I joined a local gym. I started talking to people. There was a nutritionist there. And I just chewed everyone's ears off and started reading books. And that's what really was my light bulb moment. I, you know, you go through school sometimes, you sort of come out of school going, oh, what do I want to do with my life? And it was, that was my light bulb moment to change my life. And I never thought I'd be coaching people and speaking at seminars, you know, on all this sort of stuff, um, you know, all the way back then. It was, it was actually just to help myself. But because I helped myself, I, I gained all this experience. I've, you know, other people started asking questions and, yeah, it sort of snowballed onwards. And um, I've never looked back. And I, I'm a big believer that 98% of all diseases can be eradicated through diet. Most of them are diet-related. I think it was uh, Linus Pauling said that, who was a, a, a Nobel laureate. He said 98% of all diseases can be traced back to a, a nutritional deficiency. And I agree with him 100%. I think it was also Hippocrates. Oh, is that Hippocrates? Hippocrates? Uh, uh, 
Yeah, Hippocrates. Hippocrates, as that's Bill and Ted's great adventure. No, that's in the warehouse. There's a Hippocrates over there in the corner. What was it? Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, Hippocrates. Um, and he said, uh, let food be thy medicine. So this is uh, this thinking goes back a long time. We just haven't taken the time to get back to um, what our ancient brainiacs knew. That's exactly right. I mean, the ancient Egyptians called the alimentary canal, which is the biggest tube in the body. It goes from your mouth all the way to the back door. Uh, they called it a river of life or a river mm. of death. And they said, depending on what you float down the river, we'll give you the result. <laughs> Either a body Ooh. at ease or a body diseased. That's gold. Uh, that that's fantastic. is gold. That's yeah, going yeah. in the best dogs, Robert. <laughs> Hey, right there, that's going in the best of, that's going in the golden year in July, that's a cracker. Yeah, I was just thinking about what I had for dinner last night and what's sailing down there right now probably ain't looking too good. <laughs> Cue sound effect. <laughs> Paul, this is uh, this has been a blast, mate. Where can people uh, get in contact with you or find out more about you? Well, if they'd like to, um, you know, find out, I've got plenty of free information on my website and I've, I've written also written a number of books. They can go to globalhealthrenegade.com. That's globalhealthrenegade.com. Good name too. I like that name. Mm. <laughs> well, mate, uh, we've held you up a lot. We, uh, we really appreciate you being on the show all the way from, uh, from Thailand. Um, you live in a beautiful part of the world, but uh, good to hear an Aussie voice coming down the line to us. And I think the stuff you've, you've shared with us is great to really help people to step back, have a think about their own life, their own world, their own mojo, what they put in their mouth and the exercise they do. And... Um, on behalf of both of us, mate, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real treat talking to you. Yeah, cheers. Thanks very much for having us, guys. It's been a blast. The Mojo Radio Show. I reckon there's a lot of people out there who are going to be very interested in that episode, as you say, especially after the events of um, the past week or so. Yeah, I think you're right. It's, I mean, as much as this is a horrible thing and you don't want people getting sick from food, we almost need these sorts of events to shake people up to start taking responsibility. Yeah. Do you know they're saying now that there could be up to 400,000 people affected? No way. Yeah. Yeah. That's how much, that's how much you know, how many berries that were imported into the country and how many that were sold and are so far unaccounted for. Insane, isn't it? Well, I find it ironic that dropping off at school, the number of mums that are having to now throw out their berries. Mm. And um, we went down yesterday and picked a whole bunch of... Um, Raspberries, blackberries, and strawberries from our our garden because we grow our own. Mm. And uh, you know, even in conversation with 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 our family, just picking them, laughing about, well, we don't have to worry about any <laughs> pesticides with these. It's just so. And then then you hit watch a sports report. It's on you know Channel Seven sports report that the NRL are concerned about. I mean, it's so widespread. I mean, mm. this is this is a big business, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what we went out yesterday? Uh, I went out just down to some shops with the family just to, uh, to do a spot of wander around the shops and have a look and it came to lunchtime and, and my wife's on a sort of bit of a, a diet at the moment and she just wanted a juice and um, she went to the juice bar to get a smoothie and, um, and, and they sort of said, do you want some berries? And she just looked at me and then looked back at the, at the, the person who was serving her and said, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But isn't that crazy? You know, it's like you stop and think about everything you put in your mouth all of a sudden. Well, there was an article uh, in the paper last week. A journalist went to one of the big juice bars. So let's say the more well-known, let's say the McDonald's of juice bars, Mm. and ordered a juice Mm. and said to the girl behind the counter, are your berries, you know, safe? Where Mm. are they from? Mm. The girl said, I don't know. Let me get the boss. And the boss walked up. She said, where are the berries from? She said... Uh, I don't really know, but we test all our berries. They're fine. <laughs> yeah, right. She said, really? She said, should be. <laughs> should be. Should be and tested. The, and the journalist said, how can you possibly know now? You're going to take two kids who really don't care, who don't know. Yeah. How do you possibly take the choice if you're buying a juice for yourself or your family? Yeah. And she said, we just, we just don't know what's in our food. And that's no. just where we really have to take responsibility. And I think one of the... Ministers for Agriculture, if there was anything that I thought was actually, you know, good advice was this guy said, just go through every bit of labelling, look at everything you're doing and and buy Australian made. Just mm. go back to buying local. And mm. if I was saying anything to, to mums and dads and, and anybody that's in the show, I'd say just revisit your farmer's markets, 
um, revisit your markets, go down and buy from the producer and look them in the eye because that's, that's probably the best chance you've got yeah, yeah. of getting away from all this because this is the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it's mm. not just, you know, Nana's and all these products, but it's in everything. I mean, this is just, these guys have been caught, but all the others that haven't been. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Where you can support your local farmer, support your local producers, you know, and just go down and uh, and buy a bucket of apples from the guy on the side of the road because, um, you know, this this is the tip of the iceberg. Absolutely, and and probably the best tip is too that you know the food you buy and use shouldn't need any labels. It should no. be fresh, and you know you know where it comes from. And I know that's tough these days, but as you say, there are plenty of alternatives. And I do a newspaper every week called the Espresso, and um, another coffee I find reference. What's new- yeah, <laughs> and what's uh, what's new in thinking from around the world? That you know the coolest new ideas, and we've had the the little um, newspaper now for a number of years, and I reckon every couple of months we find an idea of somebody who is developing some new innovation that allows you in the smallest of homes, properties, units to grow your own food mm. from little few greens to tomatoes to some herbs to some bits and pieces, and there are so many clever, time-saving, efficient, time-efficient ways of growing your own stuff. Mm. There is no excuse today for anybody not growing at least a few little bits and pieces on a balcony, a kitchen, Mm. a windowsill. And if you're a parent, it also is one of the best things to do because the kids can get involved and start to understand where their food does come from and not just coming from a frozen packet in the freezer. Yep. We've got got a couple of vines full of button-up pumpkin out the back. And um, yeah, right. Yeah, my nine-year-old came to me the other day and said, "I thought pumpkin grew under the ground." Mm. <laughs> right, fantastic Scary, schooling isn't system, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> mate. I'll trade you some uh, grass-fed beef for some pumpkin. You done? Just to get the country economy. Yeah, yeah. You got, I got some strawberries. You've got berries out the back. You told me the other day. Yeah, yeah. We're all over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. I reckon we might be done, eh? I reckon we're done. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time.